0: 1150, an iHeart radio station.
3: Yeah,
1: Southern California live with Wendell. Johnny Wendell, that would be me at 706 on the Patriot KEIB AM 1150. Joined for the next four segments, for that that equals an hour in human being time as opposed to radio time, by our all-around Johnny on the Spot expert on all things, Mr. Johnny Venom, proud resident of Payson, Arizona. Mr. Venom, welcome back to The Patriot.
2: Thank you, G.W. How are you and your family?
1: We're well, and yours? Eh,
2: not too shabby. That's good.
1: Mr. Mr. Venom, let's, let's get right down to business here. Um, we are seeing a very tumultuous period in financial markets in the United States now. That's not an overstatement, you'd say?
2: No, that's not an overstatement. There's a
1: lot of volatility in the markets. Yes. Okay. Now that we have established that salient point, California has a problem with paying off pensions for California employees. That is also true, Correct.
2: It's actually a story across the country. It's not just California.
1: Okay, but this this, as we know, is Southern California live with me. So, you know, I'm I'm related, relating it yes. back to Californians because that's the right, gist of what we do it's, talk it's, about. The it's, it's giant issue. Oh, sure. Okay, but we are the biggest state in America, and right. therefore, it's going to be bigger here than it is anywhere else. And it's interesting. Texans like to talk about everything's bigger in Texas. Everything's biggest in California. So, yes. I am curious as to the confluence of these two events, Mr. Venom, if the stock market is in fact in a correction headed for a bear market and California has obligations it has to pay off with its asset value dropping, are we headed to Armageddon and a fiscal meltdown in Sacramento, Mr. Venom?
2: No, not because of the stock market. Okay. The only time the stock market really impacts pensions is when you have companies trading and their stock values. Like say, for example, Facebook or Apple. Right. And, and and people who are making money off of that and it, in the and pays you know Sacramento and of the taxes.
3: Yeah.
2: Most of your uh, pensions for the Calpers. Right. Well, I think they do own stock. I think the bulk of their investments are in. Debt obligations like bonds, various government securities and municipals. So, where that could come into play is if the municipalities or the you know state government, like the California bonds, if it looks like they're not going to have money to pay that off. But you're, you're far from that. Jerry Brown set up a rainy day fund. An okay. If anything, out of all the states, they compared to my old state of Illinois, you're doing very well. No, oh, okay. But
1: we're not hurting. That's I, good.
2: They're not hurting, but I will say, outside of certain like Calpers, you have dozens, if not hundreds, of other smaller pension funds yes. that are underfunded. Local school ones uh, that maybe separate from larger ones, several municipality ones, Sure. maybe suffer fire departments. A lot of those are underfunded. Okay, and and those are in danger. But that got that. Those are unrelated to the stock. They're unrelated market. to the stock
1: market. Okay. You uh, have made a living as a day trader for about how long, would you say?
2: Oh, I, I'd say about 1998.
1: Okay, so, so it's 20 years. Okay. Have you ever seen this level of volatility outside of the crash of 2008 in your 20 years?
2: Yeah. You have. And the VIX has been, it, it VIX, believe it or not, if you look at a chart of the VIX.
3: That
1: is the, the vol- volatility high. index,
2: yes. The volatility index. Yeah, I mean, back in the 1990s, late 90s and early 2000s, it was in the 30s and 40s.
1: And what is it today? It's in the 20s. Okay.
2: So, I mean, but I mean, there was a lot of gyrations going around it. You have to keep in mind one other thing. Back then, as you know, you were a stockbroker. The price of the quotation of stocks were in one eight. Okay. Uh, so, it was basically, 12-set moves. Okay. Okay. Whereas today they're in one penny move. So that, it, that, that.
1: They're one, one, uh, one one hundredth. One. Yeah. The gradation yeah. is different. The valuation right. is different. Okay. And, so, and I, but I'm cu- lot I'm lot curious money. about, I'm curious about something though. Um, it is fairly obvious that corporate earnings are pretty good and that the economy is relatively stable, especially in California well, you you would agree with that? no, no, it's not relatively stable. Why am I wrong because I,
2: I, what there's a looming debt problem in the corporate sector now that is explain. That goes, well a lot of firms right borrowed money when interest rates were artificially low
1: right like uh, it, like they, between two thousand and three and last year
2: right. <laughs> yeah, okay well I mean go, going yeah. And so what happened is a lot of the expansion you saw, especially in tech firms in California.
1: Was uh, uh, debt debt leveraged against very little actual value.
2: Right, a lot of that happened for expansion purposes. And now that rates are beginning to rise, that's really touching off nerves, financial nerves in their books. Okay. You know, certain balance sheets and all that. And so no, I would not say I mean, I don't think Apple's going to go bankrupt because yeah. Apple's actually fairly capitalized. I'm not saying, but you have a lot of tech firms in California that are not IP; they're not they're not in the stock market that did borrow money. You know, there's a whole ecosystem of companies around these larger companies that they they had to lever up to meet demand. I mean, for example, the iPhone, right? Let's use Apple for example. Sure. Um. They needed suppliers. Obviously, all that stuff is made in Asia for the most part. But a lot of those companies are based here, even on the manufacturers over there. They still had to borrow the money. They're not going to borrow the money in China.
3: Okay.
1: But uh, but but, but what the, the $1 trillion question that most people are curious about is we are looking in 2018 as being the first year, I believe, since 2008 where – the market is going to close lower on the last day of the year than it did on the first day of the year for the first time since 2008. Is that, that's true,
3: right?
2: It's possible, but yeah. I, given how the machines can move the market, say the DAO, I mean the market, I mean the Dow. Right. At least three digits. Right. All right. Don't be surprised if, a bunch of buy orders or whatever they try to goose up. Because right now what you're seeing is a lot of redemptions, meaning a lot of people pulling money out of funds. Right. All right? Hedge funds, a lot of these other types of equity funds. What do you, what do you what, name
1: why, why are they cash poor? Why do they need to do this?
2: Because a lot of investors want their money out. They're afraid they see what's going on. And now it's dawning on the day. You know what? The past 10 years under Obama and, and a couple years under Trump, the market's gone up. I'm going to cash out. Okay. So when you when you know you're a you're a fund and you're holding all these stocks, and now you've got a bunch of investors saying they want their money. What do they got to do? They got to pull out. They got to sell. Why are they pulling? Why are they pulling out the money? Because the performance of that fund is below the market. Right. So what are they going to do?
1: They got to get them and congruent.
2: These, that's right. So what they want to do is a lot of these funds, quote unquote, match the market at the very least. So they're going to goose the market up. Right. In know, a lot of window dressing at the end of the year. That's so what they call. The Santa Claus rally. You know, it's got a nice term to it, but it's actually got a nefarious reason because a lot of people get their statements in January. Right. And so they figure if the market goes up, I won't take my money out in the first quarter next year.
1: Right. In other words, you're just forestalling the inevitable. You're just postponing it for a few weeks. Okay. I understand that. A question that is asked a lot of me is why— is there a panic over what are called inverted yield curves? Would you like to explain what that
2: means? All right. A normal yield curve is, the, you, know, you know, when you loan somebody money, the longer you loan them the money for it, like let's say, borrow it, lending Uncle Sam money for two years versus 30 years, if they're holding the money longer, right. you want a higher interest That's rate. That's right. So a, a normal yield curve is where the rates at the shorter end, meaning the lesser time they're are borrowing lower. In, are, are lower than the ones in the longer in. If I loaned Johnny Wendell uh, $1,000... Well,
1: they, they did, they'd they did institutionalize you for that because you'd never see it again.
2: Right. No, I'd be, I'd be sued by my investors. Right. But let's just say I loaned you the money. Yeah. And you say you only need it for two weeks. Right. Well, I'm not going to ask that much for for an interest rate. Yeah. But if you tell me you're going to pay me back in a year, I may charge you a few points. Yeah,
1: Yeah. because That's, you're out $1,000. You can't leverage right. anything against it. It's gone, you know.
2: Well, not only that. You want to compare the lending rates to what you could have got for risk-free right. government security. Sure. now. so an okay, inverted so yield curve is the opposite. So in other words, a, a, the,
1: lo- a long-term debt yields less than the short term.
2: That's correct. now. Okay, now how did that happen? Maybe,
1: how does that happen?
2: Well what happens is a lot of people don't want to they, they get scared right. okay. And so what they figure is number one, they won't want to loan out on a shorter term. Because they may need the money. And that's going to sound counter what I'm about to tell you, but they figure I'm going to bid up longer term debt for Uncle Sam. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because I trust him. I know the government's going to give me back the money, but the demand for shorter term securities then drops. So let's just say you're Uncle Sam, and you say to me, I can offer you a, a, yeah, the government, I can offer you a bond, a 30 day or 90 day T bill, or I can offer you a, ten year security. Right. I'm gonna take the ten year security. Now each of these things
1: Because a ten year security is a higher yield.
2: Right. Okay. If I just wanna park the money somewhere. Okay. Somewhere. And and remember these bonds have a price. So if the price of a bond goes up, the yield goes goes down. down.
3: Yes. Okay.
2: Okay. So people are bidding these up. Right. Because they want the security. Well if nobody's buying at the shorter end
1: then you've got to jack either, up. Then you got to jack up the rates at the higher end.
2: You either got to jack up the rates, or by default, or this is terrible use of words. But let's just say, yeah, don't you do Automatically, <laughs> yeah. the, the the rates at the higher end start going down. Now, the only
1: what, okay, the but why does it Why does an inverted yield curves mean everything is about to go to crap? Why?
2: Because people are a lot of times also. When you see a natural yield curve, or just a comparison of yields, you also also comparing it to, to private lending, right? Right. And at the shorter end, people don't want to loan you the money. Okay, be because because you're
1: bad. a risk all of a sudden because everything is all of bad. A okay. It, it,
2: exactly. Okay. On ta- ta- you know, so as far as again, it's all about the bidding. Why would I want to buy ninety-day T-bills? Right. Okay. Or even shorter corporate debt Right. going to expire in say two years when I know I can buy government debt from Uncle Sam.
1: Right, because, because okay, I know now, I'm going to get my money. But on the other hand, if I if I buy what could end up being junk bonds, I end up with nothing.
2: Right. Right. Now, an inverted yield curve does not last long. All right. Okay. I can tell you right now, they don't last long. Either the Federal Reserve steps in, and they'll start either buying or selling whatever debts, to, you know, corporate or, or government securities, that start doing it. A lot of the times, when you see a flattening of the yield curve, that's a tip of our recession. And an inverted one is like a short-term. You saw this in 2008. Right. Okay. But how long did that last versus a flattening or a near flattening of the yield curve? That lasts longer. People see that versus the inverted yield curve as a sign of impending trouble.
1: Okay. Johnny, can you hang on through the break, please? Yes. Very yes. good. We will we'll move back to California and away from high finance for you right now. Southern California Live with Wendell, 719. That's bad. Man. Say hello to Gold Bond Crack Skin Cream. More than a lotion. It precisely fills, soothes, and protects rough, cracked fingers and knuckles. 91% said cracked skin felt smoother in one day. Yep, feeling good. Gold Bond Crack Skin Cream. Find it at first aid at Walgreens.
0: This is The Patriot, AM 1150.
3: So-
1: with a z not a gh unbelievable i teach you how to spell in terms of everything else southern california live with wendell at 7:25 with johnny venom in tow mr venom welcome back to the patriot thank you
2: jw
1: i would assume that you have seen the san jose mercury news and the results of their polling what new governor gavin newsom is expected or desired to deliver Focus on universal health care and free community college. Stuff the high-speed rail where the sun don't shine. Uh, The question is, Mr. Venom, is Mr. Newsom, who has said that reviving high-speed rail is a priority of his, is he going to put this on the back burner and is going to go all out in order to get universal health care and at least the first two years of community college free? What do you think?
2: I, I I wouldn't put it that far. I don't expect him to do universal health care immediately. Right. he hasn't figured out the cost. Right. I'll tell you what I could see happening. I think the choo-choo is on the endangered list. Okay. High-speed trade. I think unless they start showing progress, he, he's not going to be able to justify $77 billion over, how long was it? 20 years? Right. 10 years? When that money could go towards these other projects, I'll tell you what he's going to do. I think he's going to go for that universal pre-K thing. Right. Is that what it was? Yeah, yes. that, That's easier to do. Right. I think the college thing will be easier to do. Right. That's the low-hanging fruit, and that's what he's going to go with. And then he's going to see how the economy shapes up, to shore up, the finances because he needs time to figure out how to pay for this universal health care if he's not going to get the Medicare plus, he is tax. also
1: plus he is also looking at the possibility of a looming, enormous, dwarfing Oklahoma, West Virginia, and Arizona-sized teacher's strike. He's got to come up with right. money for that
2: too. Okay, exactly. Yeah. There's, there's just there's no way within the first year or the second year that he's going to hang this universal health care thing over everybody's head, either to get himself reelected, yeah, or um, if he does manage to figure something out. He, it's too big of a risk. That's it. Look, we all want this, Right. But nobody so far has come up with a way to pay for it. Now, you and I have talked about how people would pay in it with their premiums. Right. Now, you and I are probably not the only one having the same conversation. You can't tell me nobody in Sacramento has had the same talk. Of
3: course
1: they
2: have. They've run, but apparently they, they see numbers we're not seeing. Otherwise, they would have mentioned something. Now, maybe if, if Obamacare... It does have a fatal, you know, move here right. with this judge. I know they're going to appeal it, and I know it's going to it could go to the Supreme Court. Right. I love to say worst comes the worst. Right. There may be an opening here. Right. For California specifically, and that is because they could say, "Well, listen, if Obamacare is dead, that means the Medicare expansion is dead. That means or Medicaid expansion. Excuse Correct. Me. That right. that actually frees up a lot of money. Understood. And they could go to California. Understood, Cal- you know. but
1: the, but that's not but that's not not what you worry about. What you worry about is this: the average person who works hard in California and pays payroll taxes, uh, some of which go to Medicare, that continues to go to Medicare. New yeah. taxes would be paying for California care. That would be something entirely different. Uh, I think that's 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 the problem. It, that's the rub.
2: Right. Well, it, 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 I think the door would be open. For people
3: to
1: buy into
2: Medicare, really I think, think that so. is going to be the. Fa- It'll I, be a public option, right? That's okay. the fastest way.
1: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky
0: in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office.
2: Everything else needs a whole new infrastructure. Right. And that's where you get all the costs come in. But if somebody, if, if they told you, hey, listen, Johnny, you can buy in the Medi Cal. Right. Right now.
1: Sure. Would so I do it? Would I do it? Sure. I mean, if it's cheaper okay. than what I'm doing now and I get the same coverage, right. yeah. And I and I get very good coverage, you know. Uh, uh, I'm in a well, union, my the, wife's in a union. You know, so yeah. Okay,
2: now, most of your health care, most, most Californians' health care is through an employer.
1: That's right. Correct.
2: Okay. But, the, but let's just say you weren't in it. Let's say you people. Or let's say, or let's say, you, let's say you
1: let's say you're self-employed. Or let's say you are an employer. I got to tell you, who wants the public option more than anybody else, Johnny? Is 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 owners of small businesses. This sure this takes a major headache and a major amount of agita away from them. Johnny, our our time's about to be up in this segment. Hang on to the break, okay? All right. Southern California live with Wendell. We will continue with. The future of Newsom in California when we return. Stay tuned. He was a wealthy
3: fellow.
1: Yeah, he was. Southern California live with Wendell and his guest, so. my guest, Johnny Venom. Welcome back to the Patriot, Mr. Venom. Thank you, sir. Let us continue with what Californians want Gavin Newsom to deliver, our new governor who takes office in January. Um the price tag for building a high-speed rail system from the Bay Area to L.A. is going to be about $77 billion, and financing hasn't even been fully secured. Uh, Newsom has openly considered scaling back the initial endpoint from L.A. to the Central Valley. Republicans are calling to cancel the project entirely. I I mean, I can understand that. They're probably right. Um, The fact of the matter is... Is that, however much high-speed rail would reduce pollution and congestion, California is likely to be a very big staging ground for an, uh, an electric vehicle revolution, wouldn't you say?
2: I would say by the time, uh, by the time your children are twice their age, yeah, that California's civilian automobile market will be probably. But 80 to 90 percent electric okay and I would say easily 75 percent of the commercial vehicles including trucks will be electric will be will be electric
1: and a fair so amount I'll of them self-driving at that
2: exactly and right. so I think the only vehicles in say 20 30 years from now that will be running pe- petroleum say like diesel or what have you will be those where the electric engine still cannot do the heavy heavy load right but i mean i but even that's dubious because look at you have trains today right today now uh, that have an electric engine they don't have any diesel fuel or any kind of sure. Combo, sure. carbon fuel whatsoever um the train look at when i first started to show it when you first invited me yes. onto your show right. a decade or so ago.
1: Which, by the way, you you have said publicly was the greatest mistake you ever made, and I understand that.
2: Oh, I did? <laughs> <laughs> no, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> but anyways, uh, we, we talked about this yes. project. Yes, okay. This project is going on for a decade. All right. We have literally nothing to show for it but holding the ground.
1: Okay, I have, I, have a, I have a question for you, though, and... Uh, I, rarely do I veer as severely into partisan politics as I am about to, although uh, where I stand on the political spectrum isn't exactly a secret or a surprise. I have a question for you. Why is it that the very same people who are aghast at the idea of a high speed rail line that is going to cost about 80 billion dollars between here and San Francisco uh, are not quite so aghast over the F-35 fighter? which has cost $1.3 trillion so far and shows no indication of ever flying a successful mission. I'm curious. Why is it the same people who don't seem to be too upset to about the biggest you. boondoggle in history are upset about a train? Why?
2: No, no, I have to disagree with Please, you. Please, go ahead. The F-35 has flown. Oh, has And it? we know this because the Chinese have copied it and flown it oh. for one t- for one. One one thirtieth of the cost. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. So I know we know it flies because they're flying a, a, a copy of it. So,
1: that's, that's what they're good at.
2: We've yeah. we, we, we sunk the money into it. Yeah. We don't have any that work, but they do. <laughs> now. Okay. But, but you know, all way, right. So, okay.
1: Yes, I was wrong. Thank you very much for correcting okay. me. But I wasn't, <laughs> but Johnny, I wasn't entirely wrong. Okay. No, you're not. No, okay. You're okay. Not. The if fact I, of the you, matter is, fact of the matter the is, is, is.
2: Uh, okay. Those opposed to the train now, mm-hmm. I would say a chunk of them are like me. I'm not, I'm not a Republican. Right. That could see that if you could not get this off the ground within five years. Then
1: it, then it's probably that. a bad idea. Okay.
2: Right. Whereas the rest are the same type who opposed the highway system. Okay. Right. Any type of government infrastructure they were opposed to, in their minds, the only thing the government is for is... Securing the, the military yeah that's it
1: okay I understand, I understand, I understand that I understand that but you are now talking about people who whose grandchildren embrace this stuff but get on the interstate every freaking day and it never occurs to them that back in the 1950s their grandma and their grandpa were cursing at Dwight Eisenhower, that communist for having an interstate uh, system of highways and freeways.
2: These are the same people. they got to go, go further than that. These are the same folks that were opposing the government giving money to the railroad companies to go west. Or oh, you want to go even further than that, the uh, the pike, uh, the, the famous what, – what is that? that um, the Pennsylvania Pike. The Pennsylvania Turnpike, yeah. Turn, and I don't mean the roads. I mean the actual river one going back to Thomas Jefferson
1: okay, okay. I, I think yeah, you I think you're referring to the canal system in New York under DeWitt Clinton that's, yeah okay that's
2: a, okay yeah. well I mean there's been a group of people that they said they I always guess, complain
1: always, about this stuff but they don't mind but they stop complaining as soon as they start using it dude I got, I gotta tell you something. you had people This includes me. I've made a culprit on this before, and I'll continue because when I am wrong, I promptly admit it. I thought that the Metro train to Santa Monica was ridiculous. Okay, that it was just Antonio Villaraigosa determined to have a legacy. All right. Well, it's turned out to be unbelievably popular. They can't keep putting more and more new cars to head out to Santa Monica. Nobody wants to be on the 10 freeway. They love taking the train. Okay. So... The issue of high-speed rail, I've always been sort of eh about because in reality, how many people go from the Bay Area to Los Angeles back and forth every single day? You know, some, but not so many as to spend $80 billion over however many years to make the thing go. More importantly, I would think—Johnny, I'm deadly serious about this—would be that the United States of America says— it would be in our best interest strategically to have a high-speed rail line between New York City and Los Angeles that would make the trip in 10 hours or less. Okay.
2: Yeah, but that's a, that's a completely different I argument. understand
1: that. And, and by the way, and I've said this before and I will say it again. And In fact, I'll expand this. Are you ready for this, Mr. Venom? Go if ahead. I were Donald J. Trump, two things I would be thinking about right now. One, I would want some policy that the vast majority of Americans want because then it will shut my critics up, okay? My approval rating is not very good. How do I get it above 50% for the first time? I propose Medicare for everybody, all right? Donald Trump is a businessman. He knows that other businessmen would love to have the issue of spending zillions of hours of of, of of man and and woman time on paperwork for private insurance to make that go away would be a blessing for small businesses. No, certainly Donald Trump knows this.
2: You know, n- no, 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 he doesn't know this because for one reason, you're assuming he was a smart businessman to begin with. Oh, okay, you and I'm I. I'm being charitable here, right? No, All right. if anything. You could have gotten him on the train issue. Yeah, in that Medicare. because he likes that building he stuff. With, yeah, if, if he could put his, he yeah. could put his name on it. You know something? Right. I I would
1: I would call it the interstate Trump train system if it got built. If he wanted to have his name on it, if if he wanted to have a a a portrait of himself in every dining car, as, like like Big Brother from nineteen eighty four. I'm fine with that. I don't care. You know
2: Nobody would eat in those trains, but here's the thing. <laughs> That's true. Here, 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 here's the thing. Yeah, you he, he could use Amtrak as the show for all this. Yeah. Okay, and he could have revitalized it, the whole thing because you have to pick a topic that won't be attacked on Fox and Friends as much, and he would never go with the Medicare for All because that'll be the biggest juicy morsel to the attack on fox and friends versus building the train
1: never i don't even think fox and friends would go for it look i've seen i've seen polling now where almost 60% of republicans are in favor of medicare for all the fact of it the matter is matter. is that republicans democrats libertarians greens socialists fascists it doesn't matter people who know how to add and subtract johnny are in favor of universal health care because it's johnny cheaper doesn't
2: it doesn't matter oh it doesn't matter. it's the three dingbats on fox and friends all right start piling against it and he that's where he takes his ideas yes i know that everything. i understand that you won't go for it okay maybe a different trump one, but not this one you would you you know he's willing to do the infrastructure i'm willing to bet you he's willing to do that the train remember when he was running for president he kept complaining about how airports look like garbage yeah, compared true. to ones in Asia. That's right. You know, or Europe.
1: Yeah, they spend money on them. I mean, you know, people go like, well, you can't just throw money at a problem. It's like, well, if the problem is you don't have enough money, yes, you do throw money at a problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, I, I, I don't understand their thinking. The fact of the matter is a guy carried Pennsylvania by what? About 35, uh, 40,000 votes in the last election, correct? All right. Mm-hmm. One thing I would think to myself is, if I want to be reelected, I got to do something in Pennsylvania that that people in that state will love. I have an idea: a high-speed train between Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. How long does it, Phil? How long does it take to drive from Philadelphia to to Pittsburgh? About three hours, something like that. You you, you take the the turnpike. You don't take eighty, correct? Or you're looking it up. Haven't you ever made that trip? I haven't done it in years. So. You, know, you don't know. Okay.
2: Can I interject here? Yeah, go One ahead. Second there's a better example in all of this. Yeah, but Texas, but let me let me, states,
1: let me let me finish and and you go okay. go, go go you know take your turn okay. at bat here. If I go into Pennsylvania and and undoubtedly there is an Amtrak line between Pennsylvania's two major cities, okay? And go okay, you know what? Let's put a train in that goes 220 miles an hour. Okay? And it takes an hour and 20 minutes to get from Philadelphia to Pittsburgh. And we'll build it. OK, we'll build it and we'll revitalize, and, and and everywhere along the line we will revitalize these little towns that time forgot. OK, the fact of the matter is, is you would be pumping billions and billions and billions of dollars into Pennsylvania's economy. Donald Trump would be a hero in that state. He beat whomever he was running against in 2020 in Pennsylvania with these. Dude, not likely is going to lose that state by 10 points now. OK, so I don't understand why. The antipathy to this sort of thing, when it makes money, it revitalizes moribund areas. Why are they against this?
2: That I you're lose. assuming they have a they have a clarity of mind. It it doesn't exist over there.
1: Okay, but okay. I do, and and you know something. You do, yeah, well, no, no matter, no matter. Oh, I do, and, and and by the way, no matter what the criticism of Trump is, you know, some people think Trump's a moron. I don't think he's entirely a moron. He must know this that this is true. You know, if we spend, if I build a high speed rail line from New York City to Chicago. That stops in, in in Philadelphia. That stops somewhere in the middle of Pennsylvania. Stops in Pittsburgh. Stops in Cleveland. Stops in, in in Toledo, Detroit, Gary, Indiana, Chicago. Okay, those are the stops, right? It revitalizes everything in those areas economically. That's what you know. If if, if you want an economy to boom and be stimulated, you got to put a little cash in. That's how it works. Okay, go ahead. You got Why has Why hasn't he
2: started anything close to this? Already, uh, he's been in, he's been in the presidency for two years that's right why hasn't he I don't understand you know why it. I'll tell you why go ahead quick because he can't see the forest from the trees that the I mean the man is, is he goes literally based off of whatever Fox News tells him in the morning right and he's more worried about realizing he's going to be uncovered as a money launderer right he's going to he unfortunately he talks a lot of things. But I don't think he truly knew how to get things done. That's right. He doesn't That's know not, how
1: to work. A right, because, because because the idea is we're going to get a businessman in, going to run the government like a business. The problem is the government but he's not is. A uh, and also, the government is politics. You got to politic. You can't just wave your finger and say you're going to do this because I tell you so. Southern California live with Wendell Johnny, and I'll be back. Stay tuned. Hey Johnny. Yes, sir. Yeah, we have uh, two and a half minutes in the segment. Uh, we we kind of got carried away in the last one, I think. I it's think it's a good topic, sir. Yeah, it is a good topic. I I don't, and I'll re. If you're just joining us, to reiterate, we're somewhat, you know, flabbergasted at the idea that high-speed rail is a white elephant. It's a it's a bummer. It'll never work. It's a waste of money. It's a boondoggle. Uh, the same people who will make this claim don't seem to be upset about some of the incredible cost overruns and disappearing cash from the defa- Department of Defense. Uh, and also, it could be pointed out that, as uh, General Eisenhower said, every time that you fire a gun or, or any and you fire a rocket or you destroy something, it's just a waste. of. It's not just a carnage and bloody and uh, indiscriminate destruction. It's, it's bad fiscal policy. You know, I build a road, the road's there, you know.
2: The old guns and butter.
1: Yeah, it's the argument. guns and butter argument. I And, and, and I got to tell you, you know, if I am Donald Trump, I'm thinking to myself, what's my legacy going to be in reality? I mean, he likes to tell people, it's like, well, you know, I, I don't care what happens. I won't be here when it happens. So uh, I won't even know anyway. It's like Anybody who regards himself as an alpha human being does care about their legacy. You know, which is why I can't understand why, when he took office, the first thing he didn't think was, how about a mega, massive, enormous project that will be remembered for hundreds of years? The interstate highway system that Eisenhower created in the 50s going to be there, uh, you know, in 2050. Where did well, Trump go wrong? Where did Trump go wrong?
2: He just didn't look at the bigger picture realize what he could get done. He came in there with this negative outfit. The bottom is actually, he didn't do anything wrong. He just wasn't capable. The man oversold. Remember, he ran a business that wasn't really much of a business.
1: Right. He, okay, he, he license construction he, he, for. He licenses out his name that you put on a building.
2: Yeah. Right. Any other business where he actually had a contractor, I mean, ended up doing poorly. Right. All of his buildings. He doesn't manage those. No. The Trump power is probably the one rare anomaly. But everything else, forget it.
1: No, he's not the owner. And for
2: what makes no. you think, I mean, so what skills did he have going into the White House to accomplish this?
1: None. And that's why we, you know, he couldn't do his infrastructure project. Johnny, we'll talk to you next week, okay? Yes. Southern California Live with Wendell. We'll be back after the top of the hour. Please stay tuned. We'll listen to you. You listen to us. Symbiote. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Woo! Southern California live with Wendell. Johnny Wendell, that would be me. It's 8.06 on the Patriot KEIB AM 1150. Joined for the next two segments by Mr. Moe Kelly of the Moe Kelly Show on our sister station, KFI AM 640. Mo, how
4: are you? I'm doing well. It's good to see you again. It's been a while since I've been able to talk to you consistently.
1: Right. Yeah, no, it's just two weeks in a row, right? Yeah. For yeah. the first time in ages we have not been preempted, we are able to pontificate and bloviate.
4: I try not to think about it.
1: <laughs> I try not, to, Or I try not to think about That's what I'm actually doing. Um you had some interesting guests on with you tonight. I sat with them in the uh, the blue room. They're very, very nice people. Who were they? Well, one was
4: Johnny Wendell. Uh,
1: that's true. That was me. <laughs> so yeah.
4: Johnny sitting with himself. Also, uh, Tanya Renee Banks, who's a star of Little Women L.A. Okay, and she has a fascinating story. She's local. She was born and raised in Carson. Okay, and she was very uh, upfront and and really honest. In terms of what was life like growing up as a little person and yeah. trying to make it, um, there were physical challenges, medical challenges, physical danger for her just in sure. life in general. And it's an it was an eye opening conversation. It's was,
1: it was transcendent. Yes, yeah, that she's just this, these are the cards I was dealt. I'm going to play them. I'm going to I'm going to live my life.
4: But a key point she made is her parents made it clear from the very beginning: we're not going to do anything special for you. Yeah. In terms of physical logistics, they were not going to provide her a stool or any type of assistance. You you figure it out. You got it.
1: Yeah. Because we're not going to be here forever. So you're going to have to take care of yourself. They were good parents to have that foresight. Yeah. They understood. They knew, you know, we're not immortal, you know, and, and we can't watch over you all the time. Yeah, no, she, I, I met her and, and her friend, mm-hmm. and they were, uh, they were incredibly nice people. Yes. So I figured she was probably going to be a great guest. What else did you discuss on your program this
4: evening? Well, as you know, we took two segments to break down not only what was happening in the White House, yeah. but on the periphery as far as the sure. Trump administration and people who were leaving the ship as if it were sinking.
1: I have a question for you. Uh White House chief of staff is a really, really
4: plum gig, generally, wouldn't you say? Next to being the president, as far as a a position. It's the plummest of Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
1: How is it that it was harder to fill that job than it would be to mop up a Starbucks?
4: (laughs) (laughs) You would think that there's a line, yeah. if we took the president at his word and there were people lining up for the job.
1: Yeah, like like Jose Canseco, for right. example. Yeah, I mean... And
4: Roseanne Barr. It was interesting how many celebrities were supposedly in line for Newt, the job. Newt
1: Gingrich, yeah. yeah. But uh, of those who were actually capable of doing the job, like Mike Pence's chief of staff, or Chris Christie, the former governor of New Jersey, and they didn't want the gig. Um, I know that... If somebody said to me, You know, John, uh, you, you do a fine radio show. You're very efficacious <laughs> about what you do. You'd make a fine chief of staff for, I think, the President of the United States. I'd say, How much does it pay? And uh, then I'd take the gig, probably. I would. Yet, it seems to me that that's not generally the attitude of uh, political insiders in Washington, D.C., they don't say Mick Mulvaney took the job. Uh, Mick was a congressman from South Carolina. Yes, and he was the director of the Office of uh, Budget, budget yeah. Management. Yeah, uh, and he's uh, not a particularly well-liked person in DC. He's a, a little blunt, abrasive, and unpleasant, correct?
4: Yeah, not only that, in terms of career prospects, it still would have been a step up for him.
1: Yeah, but he's going to do it, right? Yeah,
4: he's yeah. going gonna to do it, but we don't know what that means. In other words, we don't know if he'll have the power to hire and fire the people that he wants. Right. We don't know if he'll have any say in the real management of that administration how
1: long did uh john kelly last in that position i thought it
4: was a year or so I'm and, not and sure.
1: Priebus was before him right? yeah rinse yeah it's
4: almost like an annual tradition now
1: yeah.
4: <laughs> right you know, years up time for a new white house chief, of, chief go, of staff
1: okay pardon a turkey uh put the angel on top of the tree find a chief of staff good yeah. idea those are the three new traditions <laughs> in the white house right
4: and you would think people would be lining up for the job but there's obviously um reticence. To take that job, and why do you suppose that is? A number of reasons. One is the nature of the would-be boss. Two is the nature of the subpoena facing the would-be boss. Right. I and, mean, and you by fiat. Right. And and then are you? You have to weigh whether you're going to be put in a position which could comp what you uh, expose you to greater legal jeopardy. Let me put it that way.
1: Right. I understand that. Uh, what did you talk about last night?
4: No, we talked about that exactly. We talked about the LAUSD march, and I, took about, I talked about it from the standpoint of a son of two teachers, where you had right. thousands of teachers marching they on the verge of a strike they here to get in a LA. Raise. They yeah, want to get a raise. And, and it belies the, the importance, this lie that teachers are important, but we don't treat them that way. I, there's not a day which goes by which I don't have friends or family members right. talk to me about how they have to. Purchase their own supplies, sure. or there are too many students in their classrooms, or there's not a nurse on duty, or there aren't any oh, counselors yeah. to deal all with true. the emotional issues that students true. are going through that all we true. didn't go through.
1: That's no, all true. Uh, and it's interesting that in reality, the teachers are in the same boat in their own way as nurses and first responders, which is nurses union in California is powerful. First responders, powerful. Teachers unions, powerful in California. But anytime the squeaky wheel wants the grease or more the squeaky mouse wants the cheese, really, you get public opprobrium from certain people who go, oh, teachers, you know, they don't even work in the summer. Why should they be making $90,000 a year? It's like because you want them to live in Southern California. Yeah.
4: Yeah, and that's the thing. And, and there's a fair argument to be made about restructuring the pension system. Sure. And there's, a, there's a fair argument to be made as far as some teachers who be, have stayed far too long, right. and there needs to be a way in which you can remove those teachers. They've received tenure, and you can't get rid of them, and yep. they're not really teaching true. anymore. That's true. But that's separate and distinct from the fact that there's no one who has, let's say, a master's degree, which you would want for a lot of these teaching positions, right. who's 20... 4 years old has 100,000 right. $100, dollars worth of debt. Right. And, and then they, you're going to pay them 40,000 a they're year.
1: They're, yeah, 48 grand a year and, and to live in southern California. Where are they going to live? 48 grand a year. It's like, you know, I understand that the cardboard box under the 101 freeway at Vermont Avenue is really swank at this time of year.
4: But the same people who don't want to give teachers raises, who don't want to raise the minimum wage, who don't want "quote unquote" socialism and medicine, want to complain about the degree of homelessness we have. Right? <laughs> no, wait, we were talking. It's talk- all connected. We were
1: talking about this in 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 the hour. Be. Uh, when when you were still on next door and we we had Johnny Venom on. And I said, you know, it fascinates me that people will complain about there you go again, wanting to throw money at a problem. And I go, yes, but if the problem is lack of money, that is what you do. (laughs) You you know, it's like, there you go again, you know, making a big deal about being overweight. Yeah. It's like I'm 350 pounds and I'm 410. Yes, I am overweight. Okay. So I'm going to have to do something about it. You know, we, we have lack of money. We have a $14 billion surplus in the state of California. You're going to have to raise teachers eventually. You know, you're going to have to take care of the pension issue. People in the state, apparently, you know what the two things they want from Gavin Newsom the most? They want the state to finally get cracking on universal health care or a public option where people can buy into Medi-Cal. And they want free tuition at community colleges, which, by the way, Mo, regarded by many as a pipe dream.
4: They, it, they used to have it, it was here. was the norm in
1: California. <laughs> When I we've was, already done it. When I was a little boy in Massachusetts, and people would say, You know what's unreal about California? College is free out there. And we're like, No way. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's Eastern Massachusetts. So it's like, you know, you, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a university in Massachusetts, right. right? Okay. And even back in the 1960s, they were pricey. Okay. I mean, for the time, they were, but now they're outrageous at this point. But the idea that. Yeah, Jerry, uh, Pat Brown, Jerry Brown's dad, institutes free college. Yes. He Pat Brown understood, if I want this state to be in the vanguard, you know, to be the leader in technology, to be the leader in aerospace, it got to have educated people living here. We don't want a state full of dummies. And the only way to have that happen is to get them to go to college. And they don't have the loot. The state will take care of it. And you know something? It's not socialism, dude. It's called investment.
4: And not only that, we have a blended economy. It's not just let the market decide everything. Right. Th- 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 we have a, I would argue, we have a responsibility for providing certain services for people who live in the state. Well, you'd think so, yes. I mean, and yes. <laughs> and, and And I got this free education from kindergarten all the way through high school. Right and it has served to my betterment
1: yes and also (laughs) but here's the thing your 13th and 14th grade are now necessary in order for you to make a decent enough living to remain in california that's right we are an expense there is a reason why we are an expensive state to live in and it begins and ends with one thing people want to live here if they didn't want to live here it would be cheap to live in California. I can tell you that you could get a one bedroom apartment somewhere in the Oklahoma panhandle probably for 200 bucks a month. Okay. Probably good. Yeah. Uh, and and the reason for that, it could be a nice new one bedroom apartment. The reason it's so cheap is because nobody wants to live there. That's why it's cheap. That's called the laws of supply and demand, which are part of what economic system exactly? I think it's capitalism. Capitalism.
4: Okay. Yeah. I think. Don't yeah. quote me on that.
1: Yeah, that's why California is expensive, is because capitalism works. But you know what? It doesn't work for everything.
4: And, and that's how capitalism is built, that someone is going to win. It's not zero sum, but there are winners and, and there, there are losers. losers.
1: That's true. But on the other hand, you don't have the vanquished losers in life be so far down and out that they figure, I have nothing to lose. I'm going to kill the winners. You know? It's like they don't understand the paradigm of the french revolution back in the 1780s and 90s still exists anywhere and everywhere if you make us miserable enough we'll kill you
4: problem okay. <laughs> of hope what yeah. else is there
1: yeah that's right you know it's like well i got nothing to live for well therefore you don't either mo you want to hang out through the break please? sure very good southern california live with wendell yeah yeah yeah. whoa whoa it's 8 18 stay tuned Southern California Live with Wendell at 823 with Mo Kelly of the Mo Kelly Show from our sister station, KFI AM 640. Mo, here's a question for you. Um, Anybody or everybody who is thinking of running for president in 2020, they're pretty much now gauging whether or not they can afford it. That's the step that they're all taking, right? Yeah,
4: they have to make... They have to make it clear to themselves and their donors that they're viable, that they can raise the amount of money that they can to enact a long run or at least a good start come Iowa. Right. Because the donors are, are going to make decisions on their own as far as who they're going to throw their money behind.
1: Interesting story comes out of the state of Iowa that says that two-thirds of Iowa Republicans would vote to re-elect Donald Trump. Okay. That they came out. This afternoon. Did you see this? No, I did not. Okay. That's 67%. Um, His we-want-him-back number was 20 points higher at the beginning of this year than it is now. Okay. Uh, Over 60% of Americans want a different president in 2021, uh, according to polling that we've seen. Um, Do you think that a Republican, be it John Kasich or Ben Sasse or any of these people—
4: can raise the money and be Eugene McCarthy the Yes, provided that it's clear that Donald Trump cannot continue. Okay. So the donors, be it the Koch brothers or whomever, Sheldon Adelson, whomever. Right. They will then throw their money behind someone else who's more viable. But it has to be clear that Trump is not only damaged goods, but irrevocably damaged.
1: Would they back Pence?
4: No, I think, I think that's a fruit, uh, fruit of the poison tree at this point.
1: Okay, and also the fact
4: that... Their fortunes are probably they're, tied they're, together. They're,
1: they're intertwined. The fact that he was part of the transition team and and was aware of Michael Flynn's issues. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I think that the, he's damaged. Also, let's get real on the issue of Mike Pence. Mike Pence has the charisma of a slab of tofu. Okay?
4: He's, he's dull. Right, and you part know, of the reason why he... Did so well as he was up against whom?
1: His, Tim, Tim Kaine. Kaine also so it's all—it's right. It's
4: yeah. also—it's relative in that regard. Yeah, they're both dull. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> they're both agonizingly, painfully dull. The most interesting vice presidential candidate was William Weld, the former governor of Massachusetts, libertarian who endorsed. Hillary Clinton over Gary Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, you got to hand it to the guy. That's pretty funny. No, but, but he's entertaining. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's funny. I, he's also hammered most of the
4: time. <laughs> hammered, entertaining, one yeah, i saying. Yeah, I know, <laughs> you know. He's a li- likable drunk yeah. anyway.
1: Um, w- if, if I had a crystal ball in front of me and I could see into the future 2020 and you can't see and you say, Johnny, you can see the future... Is it going to be Trump versus whom? Who would Ooh. you speculate is the most likely person to run against Mr. Trump as of
4: Oh, I can today? count. Uh, you, are you asking who's going to be last standing or who's just going to get in? Who is going to be his
1: primary opponent, which is to say the Democratic Party's nominee?
4: I think it's going to be Joe Biden. You really do? I really do. Because if anything, he has the donors, the, the name recognition, um, he can, if need be, go directly at Trump in ways that no one else can. Uh-huh. Um, He's also flamed out twice. Yeah, no, he, uh, he has. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, it depends on how you want to choose history. I mean, Reagan didn't do well the first time around. Um, Trump didn't do well the first time around. And a lot has transpired where this, I think of Biden uh, of the 80s, and there's the Biden of the 2000 and beyond.
1: Yeah, no, he's a far more serious person. He's not as silly as he used to be, right? and he's not as verbose as he used to be, but he is also somebody who- He's better suited now than 20 years ago. Yeah, but he's also incurred the wrath of a lot of people with with the Clarence Thomas hearings, you know, with the way that he handled Anita Hill. Um, He's Let's get real. He wants to be the Democratic Party nominee, and he's an old white man. Yeah, he okay, is. and I yeah. see
4: a situation where he'll have a VP candidate like either a Beto or a Kamala Harris, and it and it's gone in knowing that he's only going to be president for one term, and he hands it off. Maybe, uh,
1: I would think that we, we'll know about Kamala after Christmas. She says after the holidays she'll give her decision. Even if she that.
4: runs, she can't win, so I think of her as a VP candidate. Okay,
1: uh, on the other hand, Beto can raise $150 million fairly quickly if he wanted to. He's a gigantic donor's list and uh, is beloved by most people in the Democratic Party. And he can make Texas purple. He can, yeah, and he can make Texas competitive. It yeah. means Trump's got to spend money in Texas, which he doesn't want to do. Okay, I, I understand that. Um, I would think, though, that if it isn't Beto and if it isn't, it's not going to be Bernie Sanders. Bernie's too old, too. No. okay. I would think that it is it could be somebody nobody expected, you know, and, I, and in fact, I think that that is probably the main hook and lure for Beto is that he is unusual. He's unique, doesn't have any baggage. Uh, people like him. National name recognition. And he does. And also he's he's already won one straw poll, the move on poll. I think it could be Beto
4: no purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: And also, what's interesting about Beto versus Trump is that one is the antithesis of the other. One is is clearly represents part of an America that is is you know deeply enthralled to the past. And the other one is looks like what America is going to look like in the future. This is kind of not entirely sure of themselves. Politician that would seem to be endearing, Mo. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Appreciate it. When we return, more Johnny. Stay tuned. What if you get to lose? It's awesome. Yeah. Sump away. Southern California Live with Wendell at 836. Thanks to Mo. Thanks to Phil. Thanks to Miguel. Thanks to Johnny Venom. Had a glorious time tonight. Also, uh, in our last segment, which tends to be Miguel's social life, is... Uh, Miguel, this is your second to last show, or is this your last show with us? Is this, or, or are you taking... Because uh, I know I know when you split. So next week's your last show, or is it today? Yeah, next, next week is the last one. All right. So. Coming to a close. Yes, an era is drawing to an end. Miguel is relocating to New York City. Where there are skyscrapers and everything. It's uh, I'm, I'm excited for him. I uh, yeah I think all Americans should live in New York City for at least a year. I did. You know, Phil. Li- Phil, you lived in the city for at least a while, right? Yeah, a few years. Yeah, you, but you're from Westchester, so mm-hmm. okay. Right. You no, know, I think you. I think you really should live in New York. I think that it's it's healthy. It's such a unique, challenging place that. It's good for you. It's, it's it's you realize that you have to coexist with people. You can't you know can't have your way. That's a great way to put it, and it gives you the confidence that you can live anywhere yeah, after that. Can, yeah, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Da, 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 <laughs> da, da. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, I wouldn't have traded my year in New York City for anything. I had a, a very very hard time. I lived in New York during. The second worst recession of our my lifetime. The worst one was, of course, two thousand and eight. But in eighty two and eighty three, unemployment on the island of Manhattan got all the way up to twelve percent, and there was no work and there was no money. It was just it 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 had New York had sort of started to bounce back around nineteen eighty or so and eighty one. You know the city was hopping, but the recession just creamed it, and uh, it was very it was a tough time, but it it. It's it's sturdied my spine and it changed my outlook on a lot of things. And I'm, I'm glad I did it, you know, but I was I lived uh, in New York City from the end of May 1982 to the end of June 83. And I left on my own volition and went back to live in Boston for uh, about about six years. And I moved here. But I could I, I could I had mobility. I could do what I wanted to do. And also I was, you know, as a young man, I was 27 years old, you know, you're 27, you don't have any children and you, you know, you're a rock and roll musician, you're used to sleeping on the floor and eating ramen noodles anyway. It's no big deal. But I could do what I wanted to do. And I could live where I wanted to live and I could have stayed in Manhattan if I'd wanted to, my rent wasn't that high. I could move to Boston, my rent wasn't high. I could have moved out here in 1983, the rent wasn't high. But you can't say that now. And I feel that for younger people in America, the great rite of passage in your late teens going up into your early 30s, say, or longer if you, if you want, of moving out of the suburbs or moving from, uh, from the farms or, or the, the woods of rural America into the city, and having new experiences, and meeting new kinds of people, and having new friends, and creating a life for yourself that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the life that your parents were living, I think that's really important to have that option, but I think it's gone. And it terrifies me, and I, I, get, and I know it terrifies you on some level as well, because I understand the, the reach of the signal of this radio station, the possibility that I'm getting priced out of where I want to live. And I want to live in Los Angeles, California. I want to live in Orange County, California. I want to live in Ventura County, California. You know, I I want to live in in San Bernardino or Riverside counties. I, I want to live in Southern California. This is where I wish to be. But the forces of the economy and the forces of nature are aligned against me so that I may have to choose a place to reside that isn't the one I wanted. Now, I, I talk all the time about how often I go out uh, to the to the Mojave to play gigs because there's, uh, there's so many places to play if you're just an acoustic musician. Here there aren't. And I get paid good, and I have fans out there, and I like it out there. And it reminds me in a weird way of, of the beginning of my career as a musician, when I was a punk rock musician in Boston when I was 21. That it was it was this new thing, you know. I mean, there's nothing new about a guy who strums an acoustic guitar and sings songs. But it's been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years, but there seems to be a, a great deal of interest. In the kind of thing that I do, because I, you know, it's not like I go out there and sing Hotel California or Brown Eyed Girl, you know. Sorry, Phil. But uh, we played Hotel California. Phil used to have this acoustic gig, and I'd sit in with him every so often. And I did have to play Hotel California and Brown Eyed Girl. Uh, The Hotel California is a tough one. It's got lots of chords. And you made me sing Brown Eyed Girl three times over the course of one night. You wouldn't sing it. I had to. (laughs) Yeah, but you were great, and people loved it, and I had a, so
3: much fun doing it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, well, no, it's, it's because Brown Eyed Girl's high, <laughs> and and my, my voice wasn't, yours is was like, yeah, I sing Brown Eyed Girl once, I don't talk for a week, this idiot will do it as many times as he keeps getting tipped. He doesn't even care if he's mute at the end of the thing, it doesn't make any, my, my my vocal cords could have looked like a pair of rotten tangerines dangling in my throat, I don't care, he sang Brown Eyed Girl five times, and he made us 50 bucks a piece of tips, Hey, where did we go? Anyway, (laughs) but out out in the desert, it's 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 interesting because people, you know, you you hear all the bits and pieces of the songs I make up, like the size song and the guillotine song, my lesbian friend, and stuff like that. And people, they like them because they're funny and they're silly. And but I and I think, well, you know, maybe that's where we'll end up going when we can't afford to live in L.A. anymore. But if I had my druthers. I don't want to live anywhere but Los Angeles. I love it here. I understand why, you know, Miguel was born and raised here. I was born and raised in Massachusetts. I don't want to ever live in Massachusetts. I don't even want to visit Massachusetts again. I've seen every, you know, millimeter, you know, of the Bay State, you know. I grew up there. For me to be there in Massachusetts now— uh, with, with both of my parents gone and, and me having been out of high school now for 45 years, it's like I'm, I'm going back to something that no longer has any pertinence to my existence. I'm a Californian now, but I don't want to be driven out because I can't afford to live here. And I think that that's really a genuine issue that Newsom and Garcetti and the rest of them really should Hey, more heed to, you know, uh, Feinstein, Kamala Harris, the rest of our politicians, whomever they are, Republican or Democrats, doesn't matter, is we talked about w- what Newsom is going to do in his first term as the governor of California. I'd like some assurances that I can stay in California and in the part of California that I like. I want to live in the city of Los Angeles. I don't want to be elbowed out by Airbnbs. I don't want to be elbowed up by a bunch of bearded, bald-headed, freaking hipsters on unicycles. I, I don't want any of that stuff. It's my home. I should be able in America to be able to live where I want, and you can't price me out of existence. I seem to recall in 1978, when Proposition 13 passed, it was sold to the people of California as Mom and pop are being driven out by the high taxes, property taxes in California. Let's pass the Jarviscan initiative. It'll freeze taxes at a certain level. Grandma and grandpa can stay in in Claremont or Pomona or uh, Fullerton or Echo Park as long as they want. They won't be driven out by the tax man. That's good. I'm all for that. That's 40 years ago. Okay, fast forward 40 years. not the tax man that you have to worry about in California it's the Airbnb man. It's the condo man. It's the developer man. It's that everybody wants to live here and and there's fewer and fewer and fewer places to live. That's why there are 58,000 people on the street in, in LA County. I know Garcetti is trying to remedy the situation, but you can't rewrite an economic paradigm unless you are determined to do so. If you say, it has to be a priority. in the st- Gavin Newsom, if you are, I know you're not listening to me, and nor is Elaney, whatever her name is, the, the lieutenant governor. It's like, I know you're not listening to me and you don't care. Okay, but if you did, and if I did have you, your ear, your, and by the way, condolences that the governor-elect's dad just died of cancer, Thomas Newsom, the chief justice of the California Supreme Court, he was 84. If Mr. Newsom was listening to me, I'd say to him, Gavin, priority number one over free uh, pre-kindergarten and free universities and universal health is we got to know that we can stay where we want to be, that we're not going to get elbowed out. You know, if in the 1970s the issue of skyrocketing property taxes was so critical, and it was back then, nobody could, why, why is this happening? If that issue was resolved to our satisfaction, then we want this issue to be resolved to our satisfaction. Yes, I understand that I'm not entitled to everything I want in life, and that does include entitled to live where I want. I understand that. There's nothing that says that I'm privileged or that I automatically have the privilege to stay in Los Angeles if Los Angeles becomes too punitive and too expensive. But it is my wish. And it is my want, and I see it as doable. And I see that the venality, the greed, the avarice of developers and building owners in this part of the world has gotten ridiculous. And we're going to have to kick back against them. There's a certain point where you say, You are taking advantage of the goodwill of the people of this area. We've had it. This is our home. We want to stay here you do not have the right to price us out of existence using the artificiality of a manipulated real estate market. Phil, is that an unreasonable request that I am making by saying that? No, not at all. Okay. I want to be assured that as long as I can make a reasonable mortgage payment or rent payment, that there is a place for me in Southern California. If I choose to live here because I love it here and I've been here almost 30 years, I've made my bones, I've paid my dues, I'm as much a Californian. I've been in California longer than Miguel, and Miguel was born here. So I'm more of a Californian than you are, and next month I'll totally be in more of a Californian than you are, okay? It's because I put in my time, all right? The fact of the matter is, is if you price people out who want to stay in a certain place, but they're not leaving for a better economic opportunity, but they're leaving because they don't want to be homeless. You've got a rough situation. Gavin Newsom, that is priority number one. Californians who want to remain in California, be it here in the southern part of the state or the people who want to live in, that remain in San Francisco and they want to remain in Oakland, they want to remain in Berkeley or San Jose, or they love Glenn County and Butte County and all the northern counties that were ravaged by wildfire. Let us, the people who lived, there were 28,000 people lived in pa- Paradise, California, that town's gone, rebuild it. Because the residents of, of Paradise They want to go home. This is their home. This is my home. The people that were displaced by the southern fires here, same thing. Yes, we understand that there's a lot of seismic activity. There are a lot of wildfires. There are mudslides. There are all kinds of issues living here in Paradise by Mother Pacific. But one issue that should not exist is... If I could afford to move here at one time and I can't afford to live here now, I got to go. Let me go where and when I want to go and not a moment before. It's 8.50. We'll be back. Southern California Live with Wendell. Well, do I ever cross
3: your mind? Up in
1: Sha-la-la-la-la. Southern California Live with Wendell, 8.56. As we celebrate the career of Miguel, the producer, who has produced the show for almost four years. Am I correct?
0: Yeah, it would, yeah, like three years and... And change. And change, like seven, eight months. It would be it'd be four years in, I think, May or April.
1: Okay, so about yeah. three and a half years you've been producing this chaotic insanity. It's this, been fun. This, uh, this bedlam that we call this radio show. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm curious about something. You uh, come from a relatively tight knit family, correct? Yeah. Yes. Uh, have your mother and father ever actually listened to this show?
0: Uh, no. They're usually in bed by now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're smart. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Um, uh, of of all of your coterie of. Uh, electronic dance music friends do any of them ever tune into the show or is am radio simply something they have no interest in
0: uh i tell them but i don't i don't hear back so it's they probably don't listen
1: um as a millennial mm-hmm. um if you were asked by somebody why is it that millennials seem to be so blase or tepid on the issue of talk radio what would be the answer that you gave them because you know it's been your career for years this and, and the rave thing mm-hmm. okay
0: um i think it just it's just there's so much stuff like going on you know whether it's work social life whatever it may be um it's just the this the easy access to you know podcasts i think is what you know doesn't bring the millennials to to talk radio
1: but you know if i'm listening to podcasts on on my iphone for example i set it up in the car plug it in and you know and i tap the little app and it comes up and i gotta go find the one i want Mm
3: -hmm. that's
1: still more effort than turning on the radio
0: yeah but it's it's crazy because especially on instagram um you know people can post like you know on their story and they can post like screenshots of you know music they're listening to right and a lot of people post like yo you need to listen to this podcast okay. like this is you know episode whatever whatever like it's great you need to listen to this person it's great like it's crazy how many people at least in my social group you know post about what what they're listening to podcast wise
1: okay mm-hmm. um and we've uh posted our show on instagram ourselves correct
0: hmm well on the socials yeah
1: yeah okay yeah, I understand all that. I mean, it, just, it seems to me, though, that the radio is still tr- un- incredibly convenient. But I, I, I suppose it's like it's because I'm conditioned that way. You know, cause I grew up with the radio, you know, I learned, when I learned how to drive, it was, after all, 1972, uh, and the radio was all you had. Oh, and 8-track players, excuse me. That's how old I am. So, woo, we're getting the hook. Miguel, you've done a fine job. And next week's The Finish. We'll have a good time. Southern California Live with Wendell. It's 9. See you.
4: With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.